In the New Testament Gospels, Judas serves as a warning for all of us. It's very easy to elevate our desires and our plans to the point that our desires take precedence over God's perfect will. Welcome to the Wisdom Journey. Stephen Davey continues teaching through the Bible today with a lesson called A Closer Look at Judas. When Stephen's done, I'll be back to tell you about a gift we have for you today. But for now, grab your Bible as we get started. Today, I want to go back up into that upper room, and I want to take a closer look with you at Jesus's sad and, and, and rather tragic encounter with Judas Iscariot. We're back here in John chapter 13, where Jesus has just revealed that one of the 12 disciples will betray him, and, and the other disciples have no idea at this point who it is. In fact, they're asking, Lord, is it I? Now, you can't help but ask why Judas did what he did. Given the many opportunities he had to place his trust in Jesus, why would he turn against Jesus and betray him into the hands of of those who were plotting to kill him? Well, I personally believe there were at least three reasons for Judas's betrayal of Jesus. First, it was his attraction to money. Now, back in chapter 12, when Mary anointed Jesus' feet with expensive perfume, you might remember that Judas objected. He said, you know, it'd be better to have sold that perfume and given the money to the poor. Well, I have no doubt that some of the other disciples probably nodded in agreement. That makes a lot of sense. That, that Judas, he's compassionate. But John adds in his gospel account in verse 6, he said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Imagine that. For years, he's been stealing money from his fellow disciples, stealing from Jesus, no less. That's worse than stealing hymnals or Bibles from the church sanctuary. Well, let me tell you, Judas didn't care about the poor. He was following Jesus because Jesus happened to be his meal ticket. And many people, beloved, are doing the same thing today in the name of Jesus or in the name of religion. They're making money off their religious activities. Well, Judas not only had an attraction to money, he also had a great affection for Jerusalem. In fact, like any Jewish patriot, Judas is he, he desired the kingdom of God to come. Here's Jesus with divine power. He's claiming to be God incarnate. And Judas is thinking, this is great. I'm going to throw my lot in with Jesus, and we're going to bring in the kingdom. But at the height of his popularity, Jesus starts talking about dying. Dying? Well, Judas knew then and there that Jesus was not the Messiah he had been waiting for. He, he decided he'd better reestablish a good relationship with the leaders of Jerusalem rather than continue on with this rather foolish man and these other foolish men and this failed Messiah. Uh, I believe the third reason Judas betrayed Jesus was his hatred, his avid hatred for Rome. There's an interesting detail about Judas's name. He's very frequently referred to as Judas Iscariot. The word Iscariot may be a Greek form of the Hebrew Ishkarioth, meaning man of Kerioth, which indicates his hometown. 
However, the word Iscariot could be a derivative of the Latin term Sicarius, which designated a member of a radical zealot party that violently opposed Roman rule. They were called Sicari or Sicarii after the Sica. And that was a dagger that they concealed in their robes and they used it to carry out assassinations. The word is used in plural form in the book of Acts, chapter 21 and verse 38, where it is, it's actually translated assassins. So Judas was very likely a, a, a former member of the Sicarii, an assassin who would be more than willing to cut the throat of anybody in league with Rome. See, he's looking forward to the overthrow of Pilate and King Herod, and Jesus seems to him to be the man who's going to finally do it. But now, well, he's disappointed, he's angry, he's frustrated. Jesus knew he thought he was. He he isn't going to reign, he isn't a king. He's going to die on a Roman cross of all things. Well, now back here in John chapter 13 and verse 23, we're told that after Jesus reveals there's a betrayer in the room, well, Peter motions to John, who's reclining next to Jesus, to ask the Lord who the betrayer is. Now, I happen to believe that if Jesus had been clear that it was Judas, Judas wouldn't have gotten out of that room alive. In fact, we're going to learn later on that that Peter needed a little sword practice anyway. But here in verse 26, Jesus, you know, kind of vaguely answers John, it is he to whom I will give this morsel of bread when I've dipped it. And then we're told that when he had dipped the morsel, he gave it to Judas. Now, more than likely, Jesus is handing bread to several disciples nearby, as the host would have done in these days. But Judas, he knew what the Lord meant. And I believe this is one more invitation for Judas to repent, stop his plans of betrayal, and truly follow Christ. Instead, Judas takes the bread and at the same time hardens his heart against the Lord's loving invitation. In fact, verse 27 says, Then after he had taken the morsel, Satan entered into him. And Jesus said to him, What you are going to do do quickly. Verse 30 says, he immediately went out and it was night. Well, let me tell you, beloved, for Judas, daylight never came again. You know, here's a warning for every unbeliever today. It's possible to associate with Christ without accepting Christ. You know, it's possible to associate with the things of God and and the people of God without being a child of God. Now, for the believer, there's a warning here as well. Here it is. It's possible to resist God's plans when they conflict with our plans. See, Jesus has disappointed Judas. But Jesus is going to disappoint the other disciples as well. They're going to soon be running for the hills after Jesus is arrested. Well, let me ask you a question. Is God disappointing you today? Are his plans surprising you, frustrating you? Is God not, he's just not cooperating with your life? Maybe after serving him faithfully for many years, you're finding that life never got any easier. It only grew harder, and it seems unfair. 
In his book entitled Disappointment with God, Philip Yancey tells the story of family friends named the Woodsons. The Woodsons had two children, Peggy and Joey, both born with cystic fibrosis. Peggy and Joey stayed skinny no matter how much food they ate. They coughed constantly and labored to breathe. And twice a day, their mother, Meg, had to pound on their chests to clear out the mucus. They spent several weeks every year in a local hospital. They both grew up knowing they'd probably die before reaching adulthood. Joey was a bright, happy, all-American boy, and he died at the age of 12. Peggy defied the odds by uh, living a lot longer, and uh, I joined Meg in desperate prayers for Peggy, Philip Yancey writes. Peggy survived several health crises in high school and even went away to college. She seemed to be growing stronger, not weaker, and Yancey says our hopes rose that she would find healing after all. But there was no miracle. Peggy died at the age of 23. Now, no doubt, the parents wrestled with frustration and and, and sadness over God's plans, but eventually they trusted him to always do what is right. You know, as believers, it can be sometimes uh, uh, very frustrating knowing that God has all power and all understanding. We know that he can rescue us. We know that he can restore us. We know that he can heal us. He can bring about conception. He can open that career opportunity. He can do it with one little stroke of his sovereign finger. And when he doesn't, we wonder, is he sitting on his divine hands? You know, when you're at that point, beloved, uh, you have two options. One option is to listen to the voice of the accuser who says what he said to Judas 2,000 years ago, something like this. You know, the Lord has disappointed your hopes He didn't come through with your expectations. He's made your life difficult. So why don't you, Judas, take your life back into your own hands? Perhaps you've been betrayed today. You're on the other side of this. Maybe maybe you've come to the conclusion that you deserve a little revenge, you know, at least a little resentment. Remember, Jesus knew what, what Judas would do, and yet with incredible grace, he would wash the feet of Judas. Out there in the Garden of Gethsemane, when Judas showed up with all those soldiers, the Lord called him his friend. So the first option is to take control of your own life. The second option is to say, Lord, I don't understand what you're doing in my life, but I'm willing to accept whatever you're doing. Even if you choose never to explain why, I will follow you today. Well, until our next wisdom journey, beloved, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. That was Stephen Davey, and he called this lesson a closer look at Judas. At the beginning, I mentioned a gift we have for you today. In addition to teaching these daily Bible lessons, Stephen publishes a magazine. We'd like to send you the next three issues. 
Stephen deals with a different topic each month and helps you better understand what the Bible says and how it applies directly to your life. The magazine also has a daily devotional guide. We've heard from dozens of readers who've told us how much they appreciate these devotions. They're written by Stephen's son, Seth. They will help you remain grounded in God's Word every day. We call the magazine Heart to Heart. We use it to show our appreciation to all of our wisdom partners. As I said, we'd like to send you the next three issues so that you can see it for yourself. You can call us today at 866-48-BIBLE and we can sign you up over the phone. You can also get yourself signed up at wisdomonline.org forward slash magazine. Do that today, then join us next time to continue on this wisdom journey.